The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Last week when we began this little mini-series, we, we referenced the importance of the fact that if, in fact, the birth of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection is the single most important thing in all of Scripture, then it ought to be mentioned in the Old and New Testament. And we found that its latest mention is Revelation chapter 12. And its earliest mention was Genesis 3.15 that we looked at last week. But this morning our text is powerful, extremely powerful, because it outlines overwhelmingly the grace of God in our salvation. It's clear instruction to the life of true peace and prosperity. Now, certainly not prosperity as the world counts prosperity, but true life-giving, life-altering, life-energizing, and life-directing prosperity. So if you're in Isaiah chapter 9, look at verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now this verse is a birth announcement, and it's strikingly different than most birth announcements. This birth announcement was actually given before the birth of Christ. Now, if you pay attention to birth announcements, uh, many of them are, are very unique. Uh, they go to great lengths to get the word across, and especially if you're on Facebook, there's all kinds of creative ways from, from funny ones to tear-jerking ones. But the one thing about them is they're always given after the child is born. But what we have here is an announcement that comes before the birth of Christ, in fact, hundreds of years before his birth. The first part of this verse anticipates Christ's dual nature when it speaks of a child being born and a son being given. Jesus was not born a son because he already was a son. He was the eternal son of God, the second person in the Godhead. So as the son, he's given. But Jesus was born as a child, which is a way of describing the incarnation in which the divine son of God took on human form. And it teaches us that the second person of the Godhead became a man. So we can see how the language of the text, guided by the Holy Spirit, prophetically announced Christ's two natures. But what's really interesting about this and where we're going to spend our time this morning is on the four names for Jesus that occur in the second part of the verse. They are great names for they describe who this incarnate Son of God is. And, and this is what's important to us, it describes them as gifts to us. By describing him as wonderful counselor, the verse tells us that he is the source of divine spiritual wisdom, which we need. By calling him mighty God, it tells us that he will empower us for life's tasks. 
Everlasting Father unfolds the gift of sonship. And the Prince of Peace highlights the gifts of peace, both between ourselves and God and ourselves and each other. So what do you do when a baby is born? Well, if you're close to the family, you generally buy a gift, take the gift to them. But here is a case in which the child himself brings the gifts because of who he is and what he came to do. So let's look here for a few moments at the four names and see how they affect us internally, externally, and eternally. The power of these four gifts. First of all, Wonderful Counselor. The first name of Jesus is Wonderful Counselor. This is to do with wisdom because of whom or what a counselor is and what a counselor provides. If you have a a King James Version or an American Standard Version, you probably have a comma after the word wonderful, breaking them up into two separate um, titles. The meeting is still intact. Wonderful counselor, wonderful certainly stands on its own, as does counselor. But here, taking it up a notch and being closer to the original text, we see wonderful counselor as a single title. Wonderful counselor explodes with the reality of what this means to you and I. Certainly, Jesus is wonderful and certainly is a counselor, but to be the wonderful counselor you realize that that being a gift to us, what that really means for each one of us. We have a great need in this area, obviously, because we lack wisdom. We lack knowledge of all important spiritual things. It's possible, of course, to receive a good education, be very intelligent about many things, and still come short in the most important realities of life, the most important questions of life. Think of all the educated people in the world who cannot answer simple questions like, who am I? Or why am I here? Is there meaning to life? Is there a God? Apart from the revelation that God provides, there are no answers to questions like that. But in Jesus Christ, we find the beginning of wisdom in the gift of such knowledge. It's Christ that we find who God is. Jesus said in John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So if you want to know who God is and about him, we have it in the representation of Jesus Christ. God is like Jesus. It is in Christ that we find out who we are. We are sinful men and women, we, and we know this in part because when we come to know Jesus, we realize that we're nothing like him. We are against him. We are opposed to him in every way until he opens our eyes. At the same time, and in spite of that, we learn that we are valuable in God's sight. So valuable, in fact, that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. It's in Christ that we find both our sinfulness and our value as being made in God's image. Do I have a purpose in life? I also find the answer to that question in Jesus Christ because he provides it when he says, come, follow me. Our purpose is to become his disciples. What is more, he tells us that he is going to, what he is going to do with us when we follow him, he is going to make us fishers of men. 
So you see, the reality is, is when we come to Christ, everything about us now changes. Our purpose in life is now to follow him. Your career is no longer the main focus. Following Christ is now the main focus. Your career is just support to what he's called you to do. So everyone who names the name of Christ has purpose in life. He's going to send us out into the world with the gospel so that through our witness and not by angels, but through our witness, other people are going to hear about him and become Christians too. We have been given this task. So what we say and what we do and how we look at life and how we organize our plans and organize our dreams and put everything together now becomes under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And everything we do going from forward from that moment of salvation on now takes on a divine meaning. Now, I can tell you that having been pastor these last few years, I've never felt so helpless in all my life. For the past 30 years, I was the support to the pastor. I would come alongside him and try to encourage him. I would lift him up in good times and bad. I would work to try to help him in his ministry. But now being the pastor, everything is different. The challenges are different. The fears are different. I can be intellectually prepared. I can be well-educated. But what I need more than anything else is Holy Spirit wisdom. I know how to do the job, but precisely how and where and when. And see, here is where the Lord Jesus Christ has the special ministry of counselor to all of us. He had it for the disciples in their day. He was teaching them and they were learning a great deal about him. But what he was doing was imparting divine spiritual wisdom to them. And then there came the day when he had to leave. And he told them that he had to go in order that the comforter would come. And in John 14, verse 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So you see, while Jesus was on earth ministering, his collective focus was 12 men. But by going back to heaven and sending the Holy Spirit that now indwells every believer, the message can go out throughout the whole world. And that's who you and I are today. We're carriers of the divine message of Jesus Christ by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now here, the Holy Spirit in the Greek is the word parakletos. And it means comforter, advocate, one who comes alongside. This is the role of a counselor in the legal sense. And Jesus helps us while he was here, but now he has sent the paraclete to guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit that dwells within you is there to guide you, to answer questions, to lead you in every step of the way. So when Jesus came to earth, he came as a wonderful counselor. But when he went back, he didn't leave us com comfortless. He provided the Holy Spirit to come alongside us and to direct us into all comfort. James says in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Do you realize the, real, the promise there? Whenever you lack wisdom, come to God 
and he will provide it. But he provides it through his word. We need to know the word. We need to be in the word. He further backs this up in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He does not change. So when you think of the great God of the Bible who guided uh, Joshua through uh, the victories in battle, and who guided all the Old Testament saints and then guided all the apostles and the disciples as they went out through the word, that very same God works in your life and mine. So if you value wisdom, you ask God for it, and he has said he will provide it. And that's important for us to realize that he is the mighty counselor. The, the second great gift is in Isaiah 9, 6, is that of power. Because Jesus is called mighty God. A lot of people are into power today. So power is not a hard concept to understand. A very, if we're very conscious of power in all walks of life, whether we have it or not. People high up in business are considered to have power. We think of all positions at the top is known by having power. Or we think of power in terms of money. If we have enough money, we have power to deal with our circumstances, at least to a certain extent. Or we think of power in politics. If you get elected into the position of government system, you have power. We even say at some level that everyone needs a certain amount of power. And what we're really saying is everyone needs the ability to govern their own life. But the fact that Jesus Christ is the mighty God speaks a timely word in this area. Because since Jesus is the mighty God, in giving us Jesus, God shows that he himself is interested in the workings of our very lives and empowering us to do his work. He demonstrated that by Jesus' death. Why would Jesus die for us if he didn't care for us? Why would he go to the cross and go through all the trouble if he didn't intend on rescuing us from our sins and making us sons of God? He also shows it by the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the means by which Jesus, the mighty God, comes to be with us and live inside us. Throughout the word of God, we are reminded that the mighty acts of God coming in power to deliver his people out of Egypt or protecting them while they were in the promised land, and how he works that throughout today. That is our God. That is our very same God that you and I serve. He is the mighty God of power who always protects his children. We have different problems today, and God has different goals for us than he had for ancient Jewish people. But the power of that mighty God is the same power that he gives us today through his Spirit. The early disciples knew that they had power. In fact, the Lord said to them in the Great Commission in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what? The disciples believe that and they took that promise and they changed the world. Do you realize that same power is for you and I today? Do you ever feel 
like I do sometimes, that what you do may not matter or make a difference, or that trying to do the right thing or live a moral life doesn't really influence anyone. You see, the early Christians didn't feel that way. They knew that what they were doing did make a difference because they knew what it meant to live in a world without the Spirit, without the transforming message of Jesus Christ. And when we get bogged down in this life, we seem to forget that perspective. They had been through both. They had lived without the Spirit and with the Spirit. We take that for granted today. Perhaps at Christmas especially, and even more than at any other time in the year, we need to recapture what it means to have the mighty God as our Father, that we actually can make a difference in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I think we forget that too easily. After salvation, life happens, and we get bogged down, and we begin to settle for a settled-for life. We begin to settle in all the issues around us, forgetting who dwells within us, the transforming power of the Spirit that changes the world. He's ours. And God, when he came, gave his Son in great power and glory. Another term that's used is everlasting Father. One thing this term teaches us is the deity of Jesus Christ. Mighty God does that too, of course, but it is particularly striking when God announces the coming of his son to be our savior. He gives him the title Father. Now, we ourselves make a distinction between God the Father and God the Son. But here, God the Father is calling his Son the everlasting Father. This is not meant to blur the distinction between the person of the Son and the Father, of course. But it is a way of saying, everything that I am, my Son is also. And that's just good theology. However, when we are approaching these names in terms of God's gifts to us through Jesus Christ, what this term really talks about is our becoming members of God's family. It speaks of belonging. Apart from the work of Jesus Christ and his gifts, God, of gifts of, of, the, of Christ himself, we are alienated from Christ. We are outside, alienated from God. But through the finished work of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, we now belong. You and I who have accepted Christ belong. You know, it's interesting today that people aren't joining churches anymore, it seems. I hear this from other pastors as well. They want to be part of the fellowship, but they just don't want to sign up. And it's interesting because this often translates in a reality that people don't want to join what God is doing. If you think about this, becoming a Christian and becoming a member of the family of God, you belong. And it's God's goal for all of us that we belong to a ministry to get busy in the work of Christ. Remember, we have a new purpose. We have a counselor who is guiding us into our purpose. We've been given mighty power in order that we can 
be used by him. And then we are given what we have here is a belonging, a part of the family. And that means that we can now come to God, not as aliens, but as sons and daughters. We can pray and he promises to answer our prayers. Are you discouraged this morning? Come to God and ask for encouragement. Are you defeated? Then take your defeats to God and confess your defeats. He will renew your strength. Remember, Jesus taught his disciples to call God Father, and the word he uses there is Abba. Now, if you recall a year ago, when we were in John, we came upon this word. And the translators really had a hard time translating Abba into English because there was just no English word that could adequately depict the depth of Abba. So the closest they came to it was daddy. And you know, you dads, you understand daddy. There's a little bit more to it than just dad. My kids always called me dad until they wanted something. Then it was daddy. Now I'm not picking on anybody here this morning, but even today I hear it. Daddy. But there is a deeper sense of love, you know? I can remember when the kids were young and they'd curl up on my lap and we'd just be snuggling. It went from dad to daddy. Do you realize that your heavenly father wants that intimacy? Do you realize the love? He came and died on the cross. He gave his life a ransom for you. And now he lavishes on you all these gifts to be your counselor, to guide you on all truth, to give you power to get through life and accomplish his goals, to be his everlasting father and bring you in. Do you have that relationship today? Can you just snuggle up with the word of God and read it and pray and have that kind of intimacy? That's what Jesus Christ longs for. He longs to have that intimate daddy relationship. And it's there for you to take. The fourth gift of Christmas, the fourth name is peace. Because Jesus is the prince of peace. I suppose that in all the things men and women lack today, peace is probably the most notable lack. For we live in a very restless age. We remember when the lights came on and the scales were removed and we understood that we were being offered the free gift of salvation. And we realized for the first time that all our sins were forgiven. No matter what we had done, no matter how bad, everything is wiped clean before a holy God. And not only that, I don't even have to rely on my ability to stay saved because the scripture tells us that we're sealed into the day of redemption. You're not good enough to save yourself. You're not good enough to keep yourself saved. And so he provides salvation for eternity. And when we realized that, we had the most astounding peace because everything was clear. My life was in his hands. And then came Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And somehow we got lost in that peace. 
that peace. We've forgotten about it. And so we get up in the morning and we get to it and we do the best we can and we try to deal with people properly. But you know what? Stuff always gets in the way. I'm just too messy to keep on track. St. Augustine understood this when he said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Actually, apart from the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf and faith in him, we are at war with God. We are fighting God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength because what we want is to be gods in our own lives. We want to determine our own destinies. We want life our way, and we don't give it in to God. Let me ask you a question. Do you think for one moment that what God wants for your life will not be fulfilling? Do you think if you take the plans of what you want and everything, your goals and desires, and you place them here, and then you open the word of God and see everything God wants to do for you here, do you think he doesn't know how to fulfill you and give you tremendous excitement? He has promised peace, divine peace, not peace as the world has, but only peace that he can provide. And his peace is where it's really at. Are you at war with God this morning? Having been giving peace with God, we see the most overwhelming joy is that now we're also giving the peace of God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God, God is so wonderful in giving peace because he knows we live in a sin-sick world. He knows we're sinners and we're gonna battle this flesh until we get to glory. So he gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us. But not only that, when you surrender to him, our peace is frail. I mean, when things are going good, the jobs are good, everything's going, we have peace. But just pull the rug out. That's why he gives us his peace. It's his peace that passes all understanding, not mine. And, and as if that wasn't enough, <laughs> he will put a guard on your heart. Think about that. When I'm surrendered to Christ, his peace is rolling. He puts a sentinel on your heart to guard your heart, to keep you in Christ, to keep your mind and your heart in Christ. And when he is guarding your heart and his peace is rolling, I'm telling you something, there's nothing that can knock you off. Nothing. This world has nothing that can compare with the power of God. And that was given as a gift 2,000 years ago. And promised in Isaiah 9, 6, hundreds of years before that. And it's ours. It's ours. Isn't it wonderful to know that we can have the peace of God in Jesus Christ as one of God's great gifts? 
And what do we know about the gifts from God? There's just that, gifts. They're absolutely free. You can't work for it. You can't try to achieve it. You can't organize your life in creative ways to, to get it. You can't achieve it by being smart, by making right decisions, by trying to go out. No, it is a free gift, just like salvation. And when you realize through the word of God that you're headed on a skid of eternal separation from God, yet because of his love, he reached down and grabbed you and paid the price for your sin because we're not capable of doing it. And then he gives us a gift of being a mighty counselor. He gives us the gift of power, divine power. He makes us part of his family as being the everlasting father. And then he gives us ultimate peace. You know, as I reflect on these four gifts, I find that they literally speak to every need you will ever have. You want to know truth? You want to know truth in all things? Jesus Christ is the truth. And he is our wonderful counselor. You want to achieve something worthwhile? You want to make something of your life? You want to count for something? Jesus is the mighty God who enables us to do that. We accomplish worthwhile things through his power. You want to belong to someone or something? Jesus answers this need because he is the everlasting father and through him we are brought into God's family. You're somebody. You realize that? You are somebody and you belong to Jesus Christ. And you want to be forgiven and have peace in a very messed up, upside down world? Jesus is the peace. He is the prince of peace. He has made peace for us by his death and resurrection. Four gifts of Christmas. They're the greatest gifts that anybody could give or that we could possibly have. And they are all in Jesus. And they're all freely offered to you and I today. You may be here this morning and you may not be a child of God. Contrary to what the world says, we're not all children of God. You're a child of God when you come to Christ and you accept his finished work on Calvary. That gift is offered to you. Those four gifts are freely offered to you this morning. But if you are a Christian and you find yourself struggling in the things of this world, do you realize that all it takes is death to self and alive to Christ? Death to my will and my wishes in an absolute surrender to Jesus Christ. Will you share these gifts with someone this Christmas season? Can you think of anybody that you know who is really in need of these gifts? Wouldn't it be amazing that of all the gifts he's given us that this Christmas season, we would take them 
and allow them to flow out of us like rivers of living water and share with everyone we come in contact with. Wouldn't it be amazing that if God has called us to be disciples and he's called us to be fishers of men and he's empowered us to do that, that we could put ourselves in the back and bring the spirit forward and say, Lord, have at it, I'm yours. Is there somebody's life that could be changed because of your surrender this year? Let's make it a very special Christmas season where he increases and we decrease. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing word, these truths that you've given us so freely. We often don't think of his titles as gifts, but in reality, they're the amazing gifts. They're the most incredible gifts the world has ever seen. And I know they were given to me personally. And I know that Probably most everyone here this morning, those gifts were given freely. But if there's anyone here who as yet have never given their lives to you, have never accepted the reality that what you did 2,000 years ago on that cross took all their sins and nailed them, and that by accepting that, we can be assured of an eternity free from sin, free from sin's penalty. Lord, I pray that this Christmas will be one of very special uniqueness where all of us accept the call you've given us, go into all the world and preach the wonderful gospel of salvation. I pray that this season would be to your glory completely and that your name would be glorified through all of us. And we give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. God bless.